Mikasa Esukasa. But now when it comes to the real estate market. Welcome to the Culture Commentary. I'm Kendra Wallace and today we take a brief look at some disparities in the current housing market. So many people are starting to acknowledge the inequalities in this country that are based on race because the pandemic has highlighted those inequalities and in most cases worsened them. But but one such area is the housing market. So for as long as America's been America, land and home ownership have been essential to building wealth. And since America's been America, that access to wealth building has not been equally available to all, especially to black Americans. This week, Bloomberg Business Week pointed to some very stark examples of this history playing out today in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland is said to be one of the most segregated cities in America, with the majority of its residents living east of the Cuyahoga River, where in this area, there's a place called Mount Pleasant, where the young lady in the business, in the Bloomberg article, her name is Kalas. Colossus Gaithings. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her first name right, but Gaithings at the beginning of the pandemic was a nursing assistant. Shortly after the pandemic hit, she lost her job. She was able to get another job. However, she was making less than what she was making pre-pandemic. Then her mother, who was helping her pay the rent, moved out. So now she was stuck with trying to pay the $900 a month rent all on her own and she was just unable to keep up so of course she starts she faced eviction this was compared in the article to a newlywed couple on the west side of town 23 miles away in the predominantly white neighborhood that just bought a home for just under three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which was above asking price so in the case of the black neighborhood um They've been u- losing home values for years. The home that Gaythings is, was evicted from, um, on the day of her hearing, it was purchased that morning for $63,000 from someone who bought it not long before for $43,000 some, from some French investors. So what's happening in that neighborhood is that foreign investors are buying up property cheap in the black neighborhood and renting them out. In fact, the home that Gaythings was renting had been sold nine times in the last two years, and it's currently owned by some anonymous LLC. This is, of course, negatively affecting the home values in that neighborhood, and the investors are making 15, 17% profits. And because the market's so dynamic, even now, they don't mind evicting gay things because in two weeks they can have someone else in the property and then continue making money from it. So part of this, part of what what's happening is that the feds, part of their economic um, stimulus plan is to keep the interest rates low. So that means that home ownership has become an even more glaring divide in this economic recovery. So in September, the U.S. Census Bureau asked 9.8 million renters if they thought they would be evicted. 45% of them were worried. You look, you compare that to 20% of the 8.7 million homeowners who thought they might face foreclosure in the near future. So with the interest rates low, that creates an environment that if you are um, 
working, probably from home. If you're looking to uh, buy a house or refinance a house, if you're in that position, then you're in a good spot to take advantage of these super low interest rates. But if you are um, an essential worker, like in the hospitality, the leisure, the healthcare industries, you're not likely in a position where you um, think that you can buy a home right now or refinance the home um, that you have. And this is just further exacerbating this centuries-old divide between renters and homeowners. So at her hearing, Gaithing showed up without an attorney because she didn't even know that Cleveland had a right to counsel rule in housing matters that would have allowed her to have a free attorney for those proceedings. Her fate was decided in under five minutes. Essentially, the LLC argued that because she she might have been able to um, take advantage of the moratorium on evictions that was announced on September 2nd. But she couldn't because she didn't previously apply for rental assistance. That was pretty, that was it. Under five minutes, you didn't apply for rental assistance. You could have stayed in your home. Sorry, bye. So she agrees to move out um, in September. So before they make that ruling that she is evicted, she agrees to move out so that she can avoid having an, an actual eviction on her record when she goes to, you know, rent someplace else. But she didn't know about the moratorium, the lawyer, or the rental assistant. And so because of that, she has to move out of her home. But it's, So it's not only the policies themselves that can cause problems, it's the structure of these policies. So with the moratorium on evictions, it's just essentially postponing the, the inevitable because the rental assistance programs are running out of money and they're not being refunded. And once the moratoriums are lifted, people will still owe a lot of money. So while there are programs that say you can't evict me now or you cannot turn off my electricity now, there are not any programs or not many programs that are helping people pay those bills as they are accruing and they are steadily accruing. So that money is going to become due. So back to the neighborhood that's 23 miles away from gay things where the home prices are soaring and the home values is more than doubled there. That just shows how stark the difference is. The people in those communities have had, uh, the people in those communities are seeing property values go up. They're able to refinance. Things are going great and they're selling homes for more than their asking price. This all started as far back as the Great Migration, where six million people, six million black people moved from the South to the North for jobs and economic opportunities, only to be shuttled into black only neighborhoods, not given loans, having decreased property values. The legacy of decades of redlining and other discriminatory lending policies are plain to see when you look at a place like Cleveland that's still just as segregated with still such stark differences in property values. Roughly one third of black households own their own homes while three quarters of white do. And the policies implemented during this pandemic are just furthering that divide. So there's another Bloomberg Business article from July Also um, talking about Cleveland, they were talking about how hard hit the businesses have been 
um, been hit during the pandemic. So at the beginning of the pandemic, Cleveland was already the poorest of the 100 largest U.S. cities. So that was where they started. Then the pandemic hit and it has an unemployment rate that that went up to 23%. Um, By April, one fifth of Cleveland's labor force, mostly black lower income service workers had lost their jobs like in a matter of weeks. So in light of that, um, Congress passes the most aggressive economic stimulus in history with the CARES Act. It was a $2 trillion rescue package. However, that didn't go to black businesses. So in Cleveland, sticking with Cleveland, the Cleveland Clinic received $200 million from the CARES Act. But the Cleveland Clinic sits in the middle of a black neighborhood that's falling apart and the businesses around the Cleveland Clinic, the majority of them got no money from the CARES Act, even though they applied. Even though they were trying, they didn't get any money. And we're talking, you know, um, churches, barbershops, other small businesses got no relief from this CARES Act. But the Cleveland Clinic, who, let's be honest, was not going to go under, got $200 million. But back to the housing market. While I I do not begrudge the newlyweds their home. Gay thing should have also been able to stay in her house. She was the prime example of those who have been hit hardest by the pandemic. She's been working pretty much the entire time and still lost her home. So even though there are policies available to help people like her, a lot of them aren't being presented to the people um, that need them or would need to take advantage of them. And it's definitely not going to be the land. Apparently the landlords, especially in her case, are not going to be saying, hey, you know, there's rental assistance out here. Probably should take advantage of that. They're just letting this stuff pile up and they're just going to flip it whenever the moratorium is over. Gay things uh, did find another place to live. But in all honesty, this could all happen again. So um, not sure. Um, if she's in a, in a more stable environment or not, or if it's, you know, less likely to happen, but I would assume that her rent, um, is lower, but let's move to Chicago and talk about some homeowners. So the Chicago Sun Times issued an article last week about home appraisals for blacks versus whites. So first we talked about renters versus homeowners, but even when you're black and you own a home, the system is still coming for you. So Christina Jordan is a woman who owns a condo near Oakland Beach in Chicago. And she was thinking, at the first she was thinking about buying another condo with, right before the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic hit and she was like, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe I'll just refinance my current home and try to take advantage of these low interest rates we talked about earlier. So she goes, of course, you have to get an appraisal. When she got it appraised, it was $1,000 lower than what she paid for the condo. So she posted this. So she was like, what? That makes no sense. So she posted this on social media. And then 
she found out she's not the only one. All of these um, testimonies from a bunch of other black people in, in her area and around the city of Chicago were having the same experience where they would go try to refinance or get an appraisal on their home and they would be not what they were expecting or nowhere near the price that they were expecting. So after she was hearing from all the other people, she was like, I'm going to get a second appraisal. So she goes, she gets a second appraisal. She leaves her race off, race information off of that. And of course, you know where this is going. She was appraised at $62,000 higher than that first appraisal. So according to um, Professor Howe, which is an assistant professor of sociology at the University of Pittsburgh, Despite housing reforms, inequalities for homeowners and communities of color have increased since the 1980s. So according to her study, from 1980 to 2015, homeowners in white neighborhoods have gained wealth at twice the rate of homeowners in black and Latino communities. The study also found the racial makeup of a neighborhood plays more of a role in home appraisals now than it did in 1980. So it's just getting worse and worse. <laughs> so while redlining has been made illegal and redlining is the process to mark communities of color as um, more of an economic risk, uh, just based on them being communities of color. Um, while that is illegal, there's really not been anything done to restore the home values that were affected by redlining. So they essentially just said, you can't do that anymore, but then it still left all the black people behind the line. And so, and, and there's been no efforts to, to do anything about that. So in um, Jordan's instance, in her appraisal, she was seeking a refinance through Chase Bank, which of course we already know um, has its own deep-seated racial issues going on that it is just barely, barely even, you know, based on public outcry starting to say, hey, okay, maybe there's some race stuff, but they got so long, they got a long way to go. But she was seeking it through Chase. So when she told Chase, look, I think that this appraisal is low and um, I suspect that race has played a part in the appraisal of my home. So they look at it and they say, oh, looks good to us. No adjustments need to be made. So she decided to go to another bank. And this is where her second um, appraisal came in. But she went to another bank and didn't disclose her race on any of the forms. Um, she lives in a neighborhood that's 87% black. And the medium value of... Um, the homes in that area are 304,000. So when so when a home so when you're looking to appraise the house which homes you look at for comparative values or comparative sales can have a dramatic difference in the value of the home and which homes you look at is is left up to the appraiser. So for the first of Jordan's um the first two of Jordan's appraisals, the home, the appraiser looked at three comparable sales, but they all range from two hundred and seventy-seven thousand to two hundred and seventy-eight thousand. 
one of those comparable homes was located in her building, but wasn't, didn't have any of the upgrades that hers did. So it really wasn't comparable. So the second appraiser, the one who didn't know her race, looked at homes that were in her neighborhood that were ranging between 336,000 to 363,000. The first appraiser compared her home, like I said, to other homes that didn't have similar upgrades. In the final report, that appraiser said she didn't even have an oven when there was one visible in the photos that she took. They also said that they, the kitchen upgrades that she had, which were, she redid the whole kitchen. And in it, her, stu- her stove and oven, she said, cost about $8,000. So not only did she have, have one, she had a nice one. Also, according to Redfin, another unit in her building um, that didn't have the finishes that she had, had sold for $330,000. So then her second appraisal that didn't look at her race, that looked at the higher comparables, valued her home at $340,000. And so because of that, she was able to cut her interest rate and reduce the years that she's tied to that loan. So she was able to take advantage of that because she's then sought out another bank, another appraiser and left her race off. So in a statement, Chase stood by the fact, um, stood by the first appraisal of Jordan's home saying that the second analysis was done a second analysis was done and it found no discrepancies so I guess guess that the moral of this is to just navigate these these avenues very carefully if you're a person if you're a person of color if you're black you got to look out for pitfalls whether you're a renter or a homeowner um the landscape it's full of landmines so just look out be aware and talk to people because in Jordan's case, she didn't even know that um, other people didn't know it was happening to them. They thought it was just them. And then they got on um, whatever social media platform she used and she found out all these other stories. So if you think you, something sounds crazy to you, don't be afraid to talk to other black people because it's probably happening to them too. But thanks for listening. This was the culture commentary. Talk to you next week.